And welcome back to the uh, OHIO podcast, everybody. This is a joint podcast with the Big Banter Network with the What's Chopping podcast with Alec. Alec, how you doing tonight, my man? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. Excited for a big game. Thank you for uh, thanks for doing this joint episode tonight. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for this one, guys. I'm telling you, dude. So first off, congratulations, dude, on the season you guys have had. Six and two. I mean. That's surprised a lot of us, you know. I mean, we Greg Schiano's been building this thing, man. Ever since he got back, he's been getting a little bit better, a little bit better. He's got some horses in there now, some pretty exciting players. Aaron and I were just breaking down film. Uh, the quarterback is uh, someone that you got to account for. I mean, he's incredibly athletic, um, you know. Even 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 the games that you like typically would somehow lose, you know, like the Michigan State game. That's a game that a year ago, two years ago, you guys don't win that game, uh, despite what's happened to Michigan State, because it's just a game that somehow you find a way to law to lose. But not no, not this time. Different, different, completely different makeup in this team. What's happening over there, man, in Piscataway? What's going on? Something in the water? Is there like a bunch of W's floating around you guys are grabbing onto or some some winning juice? What's going on over there, man? I mean, that's definitely what it feels like right now. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Greg, like you said, Greg Shannon's just been building this, you know, year after year. And it just feels different this year. I mean, I'm not really sure how to explain it, but I said this after the Temple game. Like, this just kind of feels different than other years. They're beating everyone that they have to, which has not been very easy to do in years past. And they're doing it pretty soundly too, you know, say for Michigan state, but yeah, I mean, like you said, a few years ago, Rutgers would lose that game, but they somehow right. found a way they kept them working and you know, they just managed to find a way to find a way. That's, that's the saying that I like to use. They found a way to find a, find a way to find a way for, for lack of a better term. But I mean, yeah, looking at that Indiana game too, it felt like, Things could potentially start to slip away a little bit when the offense started to slow down at halftime. But, you know, they got the ball out of half and they just worked their way down the field, got a score. And honestly, by that point, it was over. And obviously, you know, you're going to get some lucky breaks like the Jalen Lucas, you just dropped the punt. Um, and then, you know, Michigan State just going into an onside kick recovery for some reason in a three point game with eight minutes to go. But, you got to capitalize on those. And that's something that Rutgers hasn't done in recent years. So, yeah, the vibe is just completely flipped from last year. Last year it was, you know, is Greg Schiano actually the right guy to take this program to the level that he wants it to go, which is obviously the highest level it can be. But now it's, you know, just how high can he take this team? And, you know, recruiting's looking up and the product on the field is really looking up too. And like you said, Gavin Wimsett, he's taking a step forward. He still has some work to do, but he's really taking a step forward this year. Yeah. So, if you could describe for those who've not watched a Rutgers uh, game this year, uh, what he has brought, Gavin has brought to this offense, how would you describe that? I would say he's brought a dynamic aspect to it because you have to respect him with his legs, whether it's, you know, scrambling out of the pocket when a play breaks down or a designed run Rutgers runs a lot of those. You really have to look out for him as a threat to run. I mean, you had that you know, 80 yard run rushing touchdown, off a read option that me personally, I've been calling for them to do more of for weeks now because, you know, Kyle Manungai has been an absolute wrecking ball in between the tackles and, you know, just always moving his legs, no matter what, whenever, even if the play is over, he's always moving. So eventually defenses are going to start, you know, crashing into the box, trying to single him out and try to bring him down with multiple guys because one guy can't do it. So when that happens, Gavin has the opportunity to take it himself 
after the defense gets suckered into the middle of the box and just get out in space where he is really fast. Like he, on his touchdown run against Indiana, he reached 20 miles an hour at his fastest speed. You don't see that from quarterbacks that often. So no. <laughs> he's just he's he's just brought a completely new aspect of, you know, a dynamic rushing uh, threat while also still being, you know, we've had dynamic rushing threats at quarterback, um, but they just couldn't throw the ball. Gavin, well, he, like I said, he still has work to do on that side of the ball. He's really shown a dual threat ability, and it's really been a huge, huge boost for this offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the joke here in Columbus, Ohio, when it comes to Kyle McCord, is that we, we've changed his nickname to Honda McCord because of Maserati Marv, you know, it's Gus Johnson coined Mars Maserati Marv for Marvin Harrison. So we're like, well, if he's a Maserati, our quarterback is a Honda Civic. So we got Honda McCord at quarterback here. Uh, yeah, definitely not a, th- a threat to run the football, but uh, <clears throat> obviously Gavin is. Um, what is the weakness of this team so far or the, the area that Rutgers needs to improve on the most still? Yeah, I mean, we just talked about, you know, how great Gavin's been this year, how much of a boost he's been to the offense, but it really starts with him throwing the balls where they need to improve on. His accuracy uh, definitely needs to take a step forward. He Too often he'll just sail the ball over his receiver's targets. When, you know, when you're relying on, you know, 5'6 Christian Dremel to be your go-to option, that's – or I don't know if he's exa- exactly 5'6. I could be wrong. I think he's more like 5'8 or 5'9. But either way, that's not a big target to throw to. And granted, he's done a great job of, you know, one of his best uh, attributes is using his body to control the ball in those catch situations. Gavin still needs to improve his accuracy. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, this is the second time this year that he's thrown for under 100 yards. Rutgers has still won by three scores. So it's not like this is like, it's not like he's killing the team with his lack of accuracy or the lack of a dynamic passing game. But it's definitely something that he needs to work on because this team could take the next step forward in their uh, progression especially over a really difficult month of November, if they yeah. can get that passing attack going. Yeah, that you're this. It's a good thing you guys got them six wins when you did. <laughs> November is brutal for you guys. Uh, I was just looking at that. It's us, Iowa, Penn State, and Maryland. Now, yep. I think you're going to beat Maryland. Uh, I think they gave up. I think they have literally just given up. Uh, we know their podcast has given up. They've moved on to basketball. <laughs> oh, but, no. yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee Maryland. If they're five and six going into that game and they have to beat you guys to go to a bowl game, I think you win that game by two scores. They've wow. given up. Yeah, I really do. Uh, Iowa, that's the other interesting one. I think you can beat Iowa. Um, they have a lame duck offensive coordinator, as we know now but we've known that the whole season. Uh, all you got to do is literally put up a couple touchdowns, probably going to win that football game. So uh, that should be a winnable game. Penn State, Indiana just gave Penn State a whale of a game. Uh, so, and we know you're better than Indiana. Um, and and then, you know, you've got Shiano and Ryan Day who came to almost came to blows last year. So you definitely got fight in you. We know that, man. One more offensive question, and then I want to, and then I go. I have a defensive question for you. How do you guys plan on actually scoring against this Ohio State defense? They are like legitimately the best defense we've had since 2019, and we're starting to wonder if they're not better as a unit, as a whole, than what we had in 2019. 
Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the biggest question. How can Rutgers score on Ohio State? Because it feels like almost a certainty that Ohio State isn't going, maybe not roll, but they're going to have an effective day just because Ohio State always does. I think the closest that Rutgers has ever gotten was the COVID year where they managed to score 28 points almost entirely off of trick plays. And Ohio State still scored 50. So it's just a thing that Rutgers just hasn't been able to do. I think I don't think they've ever had them below 40 points. But, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the biggest key to the game. Can Rutgers score on Ohio State? I think it's going to be doing what they've always done. It's going to be running the football and setting up Gavin Williamson for easy throws and easy decisions, whether it's with his arm or with his legs. Because Kyle Manungai, I mean, I feel like, you know, he's second in the Big Ten in rushing. So I, f- I feel like he's almost being underappreciated as one of the better performers in the entire season in the Big Ten because, you know, like I said, his running style, it's just – you can't ever bring him down with just one guy. The legs always keep moving. And when it gets to, you know, push the pile situation with offense versus defense, Rutgers usually wins out in those situations. Really, I think the biggest thing stopping Kyle Manungai this year is the officials whistle blowing the play dead for forward progress. So that's going to be the biggest key is getting that run game going and setting up Gavin Wimsett for some easy throws because, you know, you're not going to win only by running the ball, especially not against Ohio State. You got Gavin's going to have to make some big time throws. And he has some good targets. Like I mentioned, Christian Dremel, he's come out, come out of nowhere from being you know, a former walk-on now in his fifth season to becoming Gavin's go-to target. You got Jaquay Jackson, who they brought up from D2 as an All-American there. He's been a pretty good deep threat. Isaiah Washington in his sixth season also, you know, being after not really having much of a role his first few years, he's kind of broken out as that number two guy, uh, at least over the middle of the field and down low. So, yeah, it's going to be running the football and setting up Gavin Wimsett for success in the passing game. That's how you score. And obviously it's easier said than done because Ohio State's defense has been game-wrecking this year at times. So they're going to have to figure it out, and it starts with that run game. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, um, you know, so breaking down the film, we were pleasantly, and I won't say pleasantly surprised because that makes it sound like we were happy for you, which we are to a degree. But um, it seemed like you guys are stronger offensively than defensively on film. What's going on? Just youth? Is it you guys replaced some guys uh, on the defensive side, or maybe did did we just not see the film correctly in your in your opinion? Because I felt you guys were stronger offensively than defensively. Um, were you talking just like the Indiana game or whole season film? Whole season, just it, it, it just kind of looking at, at a big picture mm-hmm. from what we saw. It is very interesting because Rutgers is primarily seen as a defensive first team, and right. the offense is kind of secondary, but. Like there are certain times on, you know, when, like you said, watching film where it feels like, you know, this defense isn't that good or, you know, they're letting up some big, they're letting up like some, you know, chunk drives and all that. So it, it is very difficult. While they're still really high in the rankings, I believe they're eighth in the country right now in total defense, or at least they were last week. It does feel like sometimes they'll like drop the ball and just kind of let up some big chunk drives. Um, the biggest key right now for why they've been so good is because they don't allow any big plays. Like I'm pretty sure that fourth down conversion, 35 yards from uh, Brendan Sorsby, was the longest play they've given up all season. So they've been able to contain the big plays, and that's part of the reason why, you know, statistically they looked really good. While maybe if you watch, you know, some of the film, like you said, it may not look as good from a drive-by-drive perspective. Um, but I also think they they're doing a really good job of bending while not breaking because you know teams can kind of run on them in between the 20s, but it feels like once they get to that red zone. The guys just kind of tighten up a little bit more and are just able to lock in. Well, that's a Shiano. That's a Shiano thing. We we experienced that ourselves when he was defensive coordinator here in Columbus. Like, yeah, he they will he will allow you to move the football between the twenties, 
and then when you get in the red zone, it they they tighten up and uh, it really shrinks the playbook offensively for you, um, and because they're so sound, he's he's very sound in his in his teaching. So um, yeah, just something we noticed. Um, I would say looking at this game from the perspective of the head coaches, you know, you have Shiano, you have you have Ryan Day. They obviously that moment last year, I think they both kind of realized, okay, that's really not who we are. We're we're buds, you know, you know, we're former, we're both former Urban Meyer, you know, assistant coaches here. So uh, we can, in the heat of the moment, you know, the the competitive nature came out, and then when it was all said and done, I know they probably have, if they've probably shared a phone call and a laugh about it, but. I still think come Saturday that those two guys are going to butt heads. And I, I, and this, I mean this in, as a complete compliment, Shiano doesn't back down from anybody, man. And that's, and I think if, tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like this team has embraced that. Like they, they, the old Rutgers is gone. Like none of these kids care about what Rutgers was under Ash or anybody else. Like this is Shiano's fingerprints all over this team. They have his personality and come Saturday, they could, they could care less that the team that had, that they're playing against has little Buckeyes on their helmet. They could care less. They're coming out. Yeah. Blood. Am I, am I, am I assessing this correctly? I, yeah, I think you're spot on. Like Shiano has completely taken over this program again in a good way. And he always preaches, you know, chop the moment, keep chopping. That's, a, that's of course, his mantra, hence the name of the podcast, of course. Right. Um, that's his mantra, just keep chopping, always chop the moment. You can't look too far ahead or behind. And it really feels like they've just – like coaches have their mantras all the time, you know, mm-hmm. all over the place. And sometimes it's kind of cheesy or sometimes it just doesn't work. But his guys buy into it because he lives it himself every single day no matter what. You know, he is New Jersey football. For just he that that's that's his that's just his personality that's what he's like on and off the field that's just how he is and how he's built this program back up and yeah his guys just buy into it and they live through that mentality and that's a big reason why they've been so successful this year because they buy in like they buy into his philosophy and they've just been able to you know keep chopping through anything that's come their way. All right, last question. Then I'm going to turn this uh, turn this show over to you. <clears throat> I want you to make a argument for Greg Schiano being the Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh oh. Oh, there you are. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> the question just floored you. <laughs> I know. No, go for it. Okay. Yeah, I think I can do that. So, uh, looking back just four years ago, 2019, you fire Chris Ash four games into the year, fresh off a 52 nothing loss to Michigan. Rutgers has been the laughing stock of the entire country for years now. Um, and it, there's almost no hope because they're in a bad situation financially because they had to fire Chris Ash and he still had some a lot of buyout money. You know, you had to somehow rebuild in the hardest division in the entire country. You got Ohio State, you got Michigan, you got Michigan State back then, you got Penn State. And Chiano has just done everything he can to completely flip this program around. I mean, you know, Rutgers is now the talk of some, you know, of, of a lot of teams is one of the most improved teams in the entire country. And, you know, they're, they're in a bowl game before Halloween. I don't know how many people could have said that. Um, and especially how quick the turnaround was from last year to this year. I mean, if we're talking just 2022 to 2023, 
that you fire your offensive coordinator that you were paying a million bucks a year. He was supposed to be this, you know, quarterback wizard and, you know, Mike Gundy uh, approved guy that's supposed to be an offensive wizard. He got fired because he couldn't, you know, he couldn't move the ball down the field. And then you move over to Kirk Shiraka, who is absolutely a Shiano ball type of guy. Keep the ball in your hands. Don't let them get it. And you're going to run the ball and you're going to take time off the clock. You're going to keep the ball in your hands. And it's worked to perfection pretty much, say for a couple games. So just the turnaround that they have endured just offensively and, you know, defensively, they're already pretty good, but it feels like they've taken a step forward. Even with Tyreen Powell being out for the year with that broken hand at linebacker, he, you know, that, that loss is tough, but he's, you know, he's emphasized, you know, next man up, we're going to bring someone up and we'll see if they can perform. And if they can't, we'll move on to the next guy. So just the way that they have managed to handle a lot of things that's come at them and the way that they've managed to turn it around just one year later, because, you know, like I said earlier, last year, this time last year, the question was, when are we going to have to have that tough conversation? Is Greg Shiano the right guy to turn this program around? And now, like a year later, we're talking like, when's this guy going to get an extension? So just the complete shift in how the program is perceived, not only from you know when he got here to now, just from last year to now, I think that's why he has been the biggest impact head coach in the Big Ten. And there's definitely some good candidates. I think if, if Northwestern gets to a bowl game, I think David Braun could get it. Uh, I think Luke Fickle's done a good job, so I don't think he'll get much consideration. Matt Rule's done a really good job, so there's a lot of good candidates. But I think you know, going from complete laughingstock to you know getting votes in the top 25 once again for the second week in a row, from there to now, it's something to behold in Piscataway. I lied. Got one more question. Did <laughs> did you vote Rutgers in your t- big banter top 25? I did. I did. I I kept him at 24, 25, you know, like a lot of the AP or the one AP voter was like for, for for the actual AP poll as well. But I, I I think they're one of the, I think they're worthy of, you know, at least being in that consideration. When the big banter poll comes out, I want you to find Ohio state. I want you to go all the way over to spot number 25 and you'll see where I put you guys. All right. Your show now, buddy. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, we talked a lot about Rutgers, so I guess now it's time to talk about Ohio State. It feels like a shift in vibes as well because you know Rutgers, everything's all good. They're six and two. You know they're doing they're doing great right now. They're headed to a bowl game. Ohio State, it's like they're undefeated, but they want a little bit more. So I guess the first question is a little bit broad. What's the general feeling around you know what thing how things have gone this year for Ohio State is? Are you talking about the fan base or the team? Um, I guess, I guess both. I'll go with both. Okay. So the team is incredibly optimistic and focused. Um, I say that, and of course it sounds like Ryan Day's got rabbit ears listening to everybody else when he, when he comes on national television and wants to know where the hell Lou Holtz is at. Right. (laughs) So, which I love, by the way, I think it's great. Uh, Our running joke is, is so like for this week, is there any old people at Rutgers who wants to question Ryan day? Because that would be great if they would do that. We, we, we like angry Ryan day. Um, No, the team is very focused on, on, on a week to week basis. This schedule has been incredibly difficult. Excuse me. We knew going into this season that uh, when you compare Michigan's schedule to ours, it's not even comparable. You, we've got three. We had six road games this season. Ohio State has not played six road games since the 1800s. Okay, long time. 
right? Wow. Uh, typically, we play seven home games and five road games, and, or, and then the next year we'll play eight home games and four road games, meaning those three non-conferences are home. And, and then when we have five conference away games, we'll have three home games against non-conference. And, and then when we have four conference away games, that's when we'll play a, a non-conference away game. But that's not how the schedule fell this year. It was six and six. And those away games included uh, South Bend, Indiana, Last week, a night game in Madison, Wisconsin, which I personally feel is the second uh, most difficult atmosphere to play a football game in, in, in at night, uh, followed closely third by probably Kinnick, uh, Iowa. Um, night game can get you. Um, and I'm, I'm counting Ohio State in that as well. I, I think we're probably fifth or sixth in the conference at a night game. Um, uh Penn State's number one, hands down, wide out, right? Um, but you have that. You've got Penn State, obviously, uh, which is uh, you know kind of a, a rival rivalry game. You have all of those mixed in, and then you have a second road game uh, again, a second road game uh, now to Piscataway. So we go Madison to Piscataway, and you guys are coming off a bye. So all of that is always difficult when you put that into perspective. Uh, Maryland was undefeated when we played them. So, you know, you get a little bit of street cred with that. But the team is like, look, we're going to go week by week. We don't even talk about what's happening in Ann Arbor. We don't even look at it. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. The fans are in, like Ohio State Twitter is toxic, man. Like I – will not get on social media during a game because if you get on social media during the game, you literally, they wanted Kyle McCord benched on the first drive because he threw an interception. And well, who are you going to put in? Our backup quarterback didn't even make the trip because he's, uh, he's hurt. They don't care. Like the fans don't care. Like they expect the next person to be a five-star. Everything is great. Right? So, and then, you, you had the quarterback controversy to start the season. Like, was it going to be McCord? Was it going to be Brown? And the fan base is split 50-50 on that. It, they really were. So it just, it just depends who you, at, who you talk to. Now, currently, the fan base is all about trolling Michigan because of what's going on there. And so there's a lot of back and forth with our heated rivalry on social media about whether they cheated or they didn't. And so that's where we sit currently, which could be a bad thing, could be a good thing. The players don't talk about it. They they are completely focused on Rutgers. They're not even allowing themselves to get involved in that. So it shouldn't matter what happens on the field. But for the fans, oh, yeah, they, they're that's all they're talking about. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's how it always is with some of these big-time programs. The second, even if they don't lose, the, the second thing starts to take a little bit of a turn, like a close game here or there, it's just hell on earth. It <laughs> but, is, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess next up, how do you think the environment will fare um, for Ohio State? Like you said, they were at Camp Randall last week, moving to Piscataway this week. I I, I, where, I guess I have a question within a question. Where would you put Rutgers in terms of that you know, night game uh, type vibe for uh, in the conference. It's hard for me to judge because I've never been to a Rutgers game. Uh, that's on my it's on my bucket list. It's coming, right? I mean, we're 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 gonna get there eventually. Um, I'm, I'm pointing above my head because I mean 
it's a it, for those yeah. for those who are listening on uh, on audio only. It is the uh, commemorative Targum uh, cover of Rutgers fans storming the field after defeating Louisville back in two thousand six. That's how, really a testament to just how just how, how old like, how old were you in two thousand six, Alec? Uh, I was five years old, so I told it to my dad. <laughs> were you on your dad? Sh- were you da- were you on your dad's shoulder on the field? Yeah. Little Alex, all excited. He's somewhere in that crowd. <laughs> oh, I wish I was unfortunately at home with with my oh, grandparents. Okay, that would have been awesome to be at though. But uh, I feel like yeah, Rutgers fans have been waiting for that for this how type about, of day to come again. How about I'm old enough that I was in? Uh, I, no, I had just graduated college. That was the year after I graduated college when that happened. That's how old I am. I remember that. Um, so. <clears throat> I don't know. I guess that's that's it's an unfair question to be honest with you because if you look at it during the Ash era, <laughs> I mean, can you even really compare it to anything? Like, right. that's so unfair. But yeah, you look at it when Shiano had you guys rolling when the and the now defunct Big East. That was that was a tough place to play, man. So we'll see. We'll see what you know with the with the removal of divisions. I think that helps you guys. Um, I also think that that could set up to where maybe later in the season you could have a big night game, you know, primetime game when you maybe you're like you get to near the end of the year and you're seven and one or eight and two and you got a big game and you're fighting for possibility of getting to a Big Ten championship, you know, depending on the schedule and who you've played and maybe you've had an upset or two. Um, it could change a lot. Um, if Shiano keeps building this thing, he's going to pass Maryland. He's definitely already passed Michigan State. Um, the West is interesting. Like I said, I think you're going to compete with Iowa already. Like, I, right now in my big banter rankings, I got you guys at fourth. I I do too, but maybe that's just a little bit of homerism for me. But yeah, I well, mean... I want to make sure that I get a good – if we get a win, I want to make that win count. So I got to boost you up there. But, uh, I mean, no. I mean, think about it. Like, you, you've you've earned that. You you guys have earned to be in the top echelon of this, of this conference right now. So give it a few years. Let's see what happens. Yeah, definitely. I guess looking back more towards on the field uh, for this weekend, it feels like the easy answer is Marvin Harrison. But other than him – where do you think Ohio State has the biggest matchup advantage against Rutgers? I'd go to the defensive side of the ball. Is what I would is what I would say. Um, our our secondary is playing lights out right now. I think if you guys are going to make this a game, then you're going to have your quarterback's going to have to do it with his legs. Uh, we have not played a true a true dual quarterback yet. And that seems to give – that has been the one Achilles in the past for us is that quarterback who can make things happen with his legs. So we'll see. We'll see how this defense reacts to that. Um, I have – I, we were just talking about this before he came on. I have a feeling that Sonny Styles, which is kind of our uh, inbox safety, uh, nickel, nickel safety, um, and linebacker Steel Chambers, who's the more athletic or faster of the two linebackers, is they're going to be spying him at different points of the, of, of the game, one or, one or the other. Um, so we'll see if we can contain that. Um, but I feel you're going to have difficult time passing the football against the secondary. Um, they have been islands, man, and they're physical, and 
they just they've no one's open. Like the quarterback will be sitting there. Who do I throw to? And then next thing you know, he's running for his life because JTT's chasing him. And and our defensive tackles probably is the is the greatest strength we have. No one's been able to block them yet. You've got Michael Hall Jr. and Tyleek Williams. Tyleek Williams is getting recognized on Big Banter for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, again, his stats reflect that. Like he has defensive end stats from the tackle position. He's supposed to just be clogging up the the line, and he's just eating up guards and centers this year. So that would probably be an advantage. That would be very interesting if you guys try to run through our the heart of our defense. What happens there? Because that's like the immovable object meets the brick wall. Like I, it's gonna be. There's going to be a lot of collisions happening in the middle of that field, which is old school Big Ten football. So if you're an old school Big Ten football fan, this that that's what you need to watch. Um, the read option scares me because I think if we bite, you could get out around the edge and make something happen. Again, quarterback. But we'll see about the safeties. I, I just think you're going to find it difficult to throw the football. Yeah, and that's really interesting because – for the longest time, we talked about this earlier. You know, Rutgers, Ohio State's always been how many points is Ohio State going to put up on Rutgers, and how much, are, how how quickly it's, are they going to put that game? It's going to be a low scoring game, dude. Like I I I've been trying to warn everybody, this is going to feel like Wisconsin. Like there was a lot of people who were like, dude, this does this isn't good. Like they are, you know, this is what that's going to feel like. I I really don't think that we're going to come in there and put up 40, 50 points. We haven't, we haven't really done that all year. Number one, number two, Rutgers got, you know, it's Shiano. Like he, he's a good, he's a good coach. Right. And I just don't, I feel like this is going to be a, a two score, one score, two score game. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. The, the spread right now is at, I believe it's 18 and a half. Eight. And, yeah. Yeah. And and I, and I'm, points... I'm ready to take the under. I, I really am. Yeah. The whole, yeah, the total points is about uh, 41. So I guess with the math I'm doing in my head, Vegas predicts the score to be about 30 to 11. So I guess with that, you said you're going to take the under. Are you taking – are you also – it seems like the Rutgers spreads become kind of a cult following in college football this year because they are, I believe, 7-1 and one or 6-1-1 one and one, depending on who you talk to. Are you taking Rutgers spread this weekend? Probably. I probably will. Like, so there's here's a little trick about Vegas and Ohio State. They love Ohio State money. And they know that Ohio State fans are a cult. <laughs> so, so they always set that bar just a little bit higher to try to get us to be suckers and take the over, right? Um, I feel like I, I want to say – the last time I looked at the numbers, 65% of the time, Ohio State's under under the spread. Um, now, a lot of times that number's way up there. So it's like they're trying to suck. They're trying to bait you into it. Um, so, yeah, I'm probably going to take the under. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to do the same, honestly. I am of legal age, of course. <laughs> Good thing. Um, but I guess – Another we, we kind of danced around Marvin Harrison a little bit, but how yeah. just how do you cover him? You Whether don't. it's you know with one uh, yeah with one guy or you hope to just contain him with two guys. So here's how a little, you, yeah here's yeah, a secret. How do you do so, it? 
He's not human, number one. So Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison had a science project when they were teammates for the Colts in Indianapolis, and they made a test tube baby, and this is the product, okay? They just put a nice little name on them and said, oh, Marv, we'll give you the junior, okay? You can raise him. Give, let your wife love on him. He's not human, dude. The, the, the dude is not a human being. The way his body contorts at times and the, the somehow the ability to get a foot down when it's like there's no way that that should like happen is just unbelievable. His body control in the air, um, I kid you not, this is my comparison. If Michael Jordan his his body control in the air was given to Jerry Rice's ability. That is who this kid is. Now, that is a, a ungodly comparison, right? Like, come on. Like, what are you talking I have never in my life, I've watched a lot of college football. The closest thing I saw with my own two eyes was, was Randy Moss. And the difference was, is Randy Moss was doing it in – in Division One AA at the time at Marshall, they weren't even a Division One team yet until his last year, I think. And even then, they didn't really play anybody, so it was hard to get like. It's hard to compare that, right? Because Marv's doing it against some of the best teams in college football today. But that's the closest comparison in college football I can give you. Is he's he was Randy Moss and maybe better. Wow, that is that's definitely some high praise, and I now I am terrified for this weekend. Yeah, but... so so I mean, come on, look at look at the look at the talent we have produced in the last ten years at that position, starting with Michael Thomas, right? And and you just you just go down Paris Campbell, just go down the list of all these guys in the NFL, Curtis Samuel, uh, and then you get recently Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, and the Jigba, all of these guys, right? And Marvin blows them all out of the water. Wow. I mean, I mean just. I, yeah. It's not, and I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba put up about 350 yards in a Rose Bowl against a pretty darn good defense, too. That's yeah. I mean, that's really saying something. And I'm a Seahawks fan, so I'm loving JSN right now. So good thank for you, you for putting yeah. that guy together. <laughs> I'm glad but, he's healthy, man. I, I yeah. really am. I'm glad he's healthy. So I, here, funny story. I know Jackson's dad personally. Uh, I got to interview him on the podcast uh, and and met him met him in person. Great dude, very nice, humble human being. Uh, that is a one athletic family. So his brother played for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and in, in the major leagues, and his dad could probably suit up today and, and play play a little ball himself. So that is one athletic family. You guys, and he's a great kid. That's what's. He's never. He's not going to give you any problems off the field. I promise you. No, I'm. I'm glad about that. So, I got one more question, then we can move into some of our score predictions for this weekend. Sure. Looking back to more some of the big picture, if Rutgers somehow comes out and wins this game this weekend, do you think something a little something starts to heat up, especially if you know, there's a loss to Michigan under Ryan Day's seat? Oh my gosh! <laughs> if we were to lose this game, Alec. You, there would be people with pitchforks and and shovels and and fires outside of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, ready to absolutely annihilate Ryan Day. I feel and like there's is, already people like that now. Yeah, because he's lost two times in a row to Team Up North. So Chris, my co-host, is already got. A, he's already buried. He's already dug his grave. Like. <laughs> 
he's ready to throw him in and throw dirt on him if he doesn't win this year. <clears throat> so, yeah, that would be that would not only be a huge upset and a and a career defining moment for Shiano and his second tenure at, at Rutgers, but that would absolutely that would derail the entire season for Ohio State. Yeah, I I mean, I once again pointed to, you know, this thing up here because it would almost be a repeat of it. But I I did forget one thing. So last weekend, uh, my 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 friends and I were part of the, the student section called the Riot Squad here at Rutgers. We yep. took a uh, we took a road trip out to Indiana for that game. Great trip uh, driving. I will say no offense, but driving through Ohio was um, what's the word uh, debilitating. Uh, it was terrible. We took I seventy all throughout. Oh, was, that is awful. a yeah. horrid. That is the yeah. worst freeway in the entire state. Oh, the worst. oh, it was awful. It was it was awful. But I will say there was one thing that was really cool. We ended up uh, we had a, we had like a spare hour or so. So we decided, hey, let's get off on this random city off I seventy and check out you know the horseshoe just because why not? So we spent about like an hour in Columbus. Uh, we ended up uh, going into the uh, the Pat McAfee show filming. That was really awesome. Um, oh, cool. And what I what I uh, what I did not expect walking up to the horseshoe was looking at all like the signage. Is this all year that the M's are all crossed out? Is this like 365 days a year? It didn't used to be, but in the last couple of years, it's become that. Um, the level of disdain and hatred this state and this fan base has for Jim Harbaugh and that team right now <laughs> has reached le- unhealthy levels. It is, um, you know, you see a lot of the fighting that takes place on NFL games, and it's like, you drunk idiots, like, you know, get a hold of yourselves, <laughs> right? Um, there's going to be a lot of that this year. I, I really feel like uh, I'm going to the game. I'm going with a Michigan friend of mine because <laughs> I lost a bet and told him if if we if they won last year, I would pay for our tickets to go to the game and – of course we lost so now i i owe him that um i'm fully expecting to come out of that place uh if we lose again not only depressed but probably watching several of my fellow ohio state fans get in fights because uh this 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 has reached a level that even i here let me share your story i'll share a quick story with you so this is how I was indoctrinated into this fan base. Uh, I was in second grade, and my teacher was a Michigan fan, and she was rather cute. And I came home, and I told my dad I was going to root for Michigan. And this was Michigan Ohio State week. And my dad told me to pack my bags and get out of the house. So I packed my bags. My mom packed me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I made it down to the mailbox. And I turned around, came back crying, told my dad I would never root for Michigan, and I, he, I was allowed to live in my dad's, in my parents' house for the, uh, for uh, the remainder of my childhood. Um, you don't have an option here. Like if 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 you are gonna live in this state and you are raised by Buckeye fans, uh, you're expected to be a part of this religion. <laughs> All right. This is what I'm talking about. When I say we're a cult, it, re- it really is. It's scary. Um, yeah, this is, this is, this is war. In fact, they literally play that rap song. Um, it's time for war when we play that team all over the place. Wow. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's reached, it's reached, uh, 
um, pandemic levels here in Columbus, Ohio. That that uh, letter. Wow. But uh, yeah, I mean, I will say from being in Columbus for like an hour, it was great, great place to just kind of walk around the camp. But we, we all really only strayed from the shoe to where they were recording the show. But we drove through it. Very nice. Uh, thumbs up for me from from cool. this New Jersey guy. But yeah, um, that's uh, that was my experience in Columbus for an hour. Also, yeah, yeah I, I'm never both in agreement that I-70 just sucks. Oh, it's terrible. It's bad. Yeah, it was awful. Uh, you Ugh. need to come. You need to come back when you guys play Ohio State. Come to come to a game I, day experience. It's I would love to. It's it's the closest thing you're gonna get here in the north to the SEC, as far as the the tailgating, um, the the size of the crowd. Um, I've been to all the other. I've been to quite a few of the other Big Ten schools. Nothing compares to the game day experience. Um, I've not been to Ann Arbor. This will be my first trip to Ann Arbor for that game, so I I, I will refrain from that. I don't. A lot of, again, Penn State atmosphere in the whiteout can't compare to it but game day experience outside of the stadium and everything that goes with it Ohio State's so much better so there's so much to do on game day you could spend from sun up to sundown if they play a noon o'clock noon or three o'clock game it doesn't matter you'll be there all day you'll have a great time I will say before we get to our predictions, uh, if you ever get a chance, definitely come to Piscataway because we have the uh, we have the boardwalk on the street that goes from uh, one two of the parking lots to the stadium itself. There's a whole boardwalk like Jersey Shore style. You know, you got games, you yeah, even got yeah. a Ferris wheel. I I won't touch the Ferris wheel because uh, I don't really want to get on a Ferris wheel that's built in a day and taken down in a day. Um, yeah, no thanks. But I mean, the whole experience is great. Highly recommend it if you ever get a chance. But um, we can talk, we can talk some of our predictions, uh, for this weekend, I guess I'll go first. So here's the thing. I, I want to shock the world and call for a Rutgers upset, but unfortunately I, Oh, I come on, Alec, you can do it. Uh, I want to say that they're going to shock the world. Uh, you know, screw it. I'm going to say they're going to shock the world There I'm, it I'm is. Say it right here. I'm going to say that, you know what? I, I, this is like the fifth time that I pointed to this. It just feels right. It just feels like this is the right time. This is going to be the Louisville moment. We've been saying all year it feels like 2005. This weekend's going to make it feel like 2006. I think Rutgers does just enough. They're going to shut down Kyle McCord. They're going to do enough with the run game. Common on guy is going to have another great game. I'm going to say Rutgers 24, Ohio State 21. I will be storming the field, and I will be placing a goalpost in the Raritan River come Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I expect that to happen. If that ha- if you guys were upset, the goalposts got to go, man. They got to go. Um, I'm at I'm at uh, Ohio State 27, Rutgers 13. I think that's fair. Now I, I think sh- that would be a fair level-headed prediction, unlike mine. <laughs> I I love your enthusiasm though, Alec. That's there you go, man. You got to defend your team, right? You got to defend them. I have not voted since we've done this podcast. Only one time, only one time, have I said Ohio State was going to lose, and they did lose that game. Um, and I've regretted it ever since because I'm like, you know what? Come on, man. I'm hosting Ohio State podcast. I'm allowed to be a homer. So I, I, I don't, I don't foresee myself. Even though right now it's tough for me to see how we are going to be able to defeat that team up north if they keep clicking like the way they have been. But I do think, I do think all the people who think they're going to blow us out are going to be in for a rude awakening. I think that game is going to be an old school Woody Bow three yards and a cloud of dust first team to maybe get a touchdown type of game uh, is how I foresee that one going down. Um, so 
be very, very interesting when we get there. But we got to get through Rutgers first, 27-13 Buckeyes this Saturday. All right. Well, yeah, a lot of great talks here, a lot of great stories, a lot of great previews, and some great predictions too. Eric, thanks for coming on, and thank you for having me on to do this joint episode between the Ohio the, – is it the Ohio or the OHIO? It's the, okay. Funny story. So we got sued by Ohio State. Oh, <laughs> it was the OH apostrophe exclamation point IO exclamation point because that's what Ohio State fans do. They yell out OH and someone answers IO, and Ohio State said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, can't do that." <laughs> so we just called it the OHIO podcast. We spelled out our state name and say, "There you go." So it's you can call us either one. Uh, they can't take away that. I do own the rights to that. So the the Ohio or the OHIO podcast, we go by both. Alec, they, man, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can people find the What's Chopping podcast at? Yeah, so uh, What's Chopping podcast on all podcast cl- platforms at Spotify, uh, Apple, Amazon, YouTube. Uh, and then you can find the uh, podcast on Twitter and Instagram at What's Chopping Pod. And then you can find me at AlecCR12 on Twitter. You'll see a lot of Rutgers things, uh, probably some unhinged Rutgers things, uh, maybe some Seahawks things mixed in between if you're into that. So definitely follow uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, and where can we find the uh, the OHIO podcast? And, and All the same place, man. Anywhere you want to find your audio, you can find us. Just type in the Ohio podcast. Do the same on YouTube. Uh, at Twitter, we're at the Ohio pod. And so uh, we're, we're always doing the same thing, dropping Ohio State nuggets there. And, of course, you can find us both on the BigBanterSports.com network. So go to, head on over to BigBanterSports.com. There's us, and there's 12 other podcasts. A couple of them are good. One of them from Maryland's really, really bad. I wouldn't suggest listening to that one. Uh, they talk about weird things like the Orioles and the Ravens, and it's like – I don't even know what those are. Uh, no, I, I, all I care about is college football. But um, if if you're into if you're into that kind of thing and you want to learn about you know what it's like to be a poor man's Duke, you could listen to the Turtleheads, I guess. Uh, by based on those numbers, not too many of you them are though. But you know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can find me at uh, theohiopodcast.com if you like to email me. Um, Anyways, guys, thank you so much. We really did appreciate Alec, I really do appreciate it, man. Enjoy the game this weekend, all right? Oh, I will. I will. It'll be fun. Either way, it'll be fun. If if you guys happen to win, I expect to see you on CBS tearing down a goalpost, all right? I'm going to be looking for Oh, trust me. The Big Banter Slack will go absolutely nuts with pictures (laughs) and videos of me holding a goalpost, putting it in the Raritan River. Just You can bank on that. (laughs) All right, man. Sounds good, everybody. Thank you so much.